this is Linda Fulkerson, and I want to welcome you to this episode of the Ideas to Books podcast. Today we have a special guest. My friend Tricia Goyer has just released the book, Walk It Out, The Radical Result of Living God's Word One Step at a Time. And those of you who have known or heard of Tricia know that she is a very prolific author. She's going to tell us how she got the idea for this specific book and how she gets the ideas for all her other books. She has 70 books published, which is quite an accomplishment. And Tricia has done a whole lot of other things. And we'll talk about some of those during our interview. But I'm just excited to have her with us today. And I want to thank her for taking time from her busy, busy schedule to spend with us today during this episode. I also want to thank today's sponsor. Today's sponsor for this episode is... Ordinary Girl, Extraordinary Purpose, Life Lessons from the Book of Esther, and it's one of my books that was just released in June. So I want to thank that book for sponsoring today's episode, and I want to thank Tricia. And now we'll get to our interview with Tricia Goyer. Hello, everybody. As I said in the introduction, we have with us today Tricia Goyer, and Tricia is the author of many, many books, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes, but we're especially going to talk about her newest book, Walk It Out, The Radical Result of Living God's Word One Step at a Time, and I just want to let Tricia know I've been reading this book, and it's amazing. It is totally blessing me. Thank you for writing it, Tricia. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And what I want you to do first is just introduce yourself and tell the listeners of the Ideas to Books podcast just anything that you want about, you know, just let them get to know Trisha for in just a few minutes, for just a few minutes. Okay. Well, I've been married to John for 27 years and we have 10 kids, um, three are biological, and then we've adopted seven kids actually in the last five years um, from mostly from foster care and then I'm also the author of um, 70 books so walk it out makes number 70 and I mostly write fiction but I do write some nonfiction, and I love going um, back and forth between the two I've written my blog um, I think I'm at 3,000 posts or something crazy like that on my blog and magazine articles I just love writing like that it's just, uh, it's it's work, but it's also just my place of escape, my place to connect with God, um, and just a, a quiet time to, to just me and God to sit there um, in the midst of a very busy house. <laughs> yes. Well, I know that you are a blessing to your children and your family, and it's, it, it everyone who knows you is just stands in amazement, but I know, as you've said in this book, you're just doing what God has put before you, which is what most of us can just look at your example and appreciate that and learn from you. How long have you been writing, Tricia? So I attended my first writer's conference in 1994, and I was uh, 22 years old. I was pregnant with my third baby, so I'd been a teen mom, and then I met and married a wonderful Christian man, and we um, had two more kids. And so when I was pregnant with that third baby, a friend of mine, um, Cindy Coloma, we had talked about wanting to be Christian writers. I mean, we were both like in our early 20s. And so we ended up going to the Mount Hermon Christian Writers Conference and going to the workshops and meeting a lot of really amazing people. Um, And I started writing um, mostly articles and devotions back then. Mm -hmm. And then I started working on book proposals. And my first book um, was actually a project with Focus on the Family. It was Mealtime Moments, and that came out in uh, 2000. And then after that, I started regularly writing books, both fiction 
and nonfiction. Um, my first novel came out in 2003, and it was called um, From Dust and Ashes, and it was uh, about the true story of a liberation of a concentration camp told in novel form. And some of your historical novels, I've really enjoyed reading those. You, you're just really good at touching the stories of people's lives during different times in history. So Thank you. That kind of leads us into the next question. What genre do you typically write in? I mostly write historical fiction, and I love it. And it's so funny, when I first started writing, I thought, I don't want to write historical fiction. It's going to be too much work and too much research. And so um, when I first started going to the conferences, I would they would say, like, we're looking for books for teenagers. And so I'd start writing one of those, and it would never get very far. And then I, um, that's when they started the Palisades line with Multinoma was rich romances. And I started some of those and it didn't get very far. I mean, and I even got some proposals um, on the publisher's desk, but got rejected. So I was trying out all these things. And then it was actually on a research trip when I um, heard about the story uh, from Dust and Ashes about the liberation of the concentration camp. And I was able to come back home and interview some of the veterans um, who had been there. I'd been uh, was invited to one of their World War II reunions and interviewed some Holocaust survivors and just realized that I fell in love with just historical fiction and the process and interviewing people. And, um, you know, I've even written books of people, you know, books that haven't been with people that I've interviewed, like the Titanic. I, I have not interviewed anyone <laughs> from the Titanic, but <laughs> I, I dug into journals and um, tried to find as much historical material as possible. And so that really, I think, once I realized like, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's, I also loved it. It made a huge difference. And I, it really opened up my writing to not just trying to do what I thought everyone wanted to see, but really what brought me alive. And so um, I've done some, also some Amish fiction, some contemporary fiction, mm -hmm. but I get most excited about historical fiction. Well, and, and I can see why, because you just bring those stories to life and I've, kind of followed you for a few years and know that you've been able to interview some amazing people and tell their stories. So yeah. what do you like the most about writing? You know, I love um, when you first get that idea and then just digging into it and finding out and um, even more about the time period or more about um, just kind of fleshing out the people that are going to be at the characters. Um, that's with fiction, with nonfiction I love uh, just building on the idea. So there's, you know, get this first little idea, like this would be a great book. And then um, during quiet time, or as I'm doing dishes, or as I'm folding laundry, yeah. it's just like these ideas um, pop into my mind. It's almost like God's been like holding them there for me. <laughs> as soon as I'm like listening and, and ready to start putting stuff on paper, it seems like everywhere I look, it's just the right quote or the right thought or the right scripture verse. And just seeing everything, um, come together and kind of involving him in the process. And even you know, with, with writing historical fiction, there's been times where I didn't know where to find the research I needed, or I didn't um, know where to turn and just turning to him and saying, God, I know you were there, you know, in World War II or on the Titanic or whatever, <laughs> you were there to help me find the information. And it's been super fun um, to, to kind of just journey with him on that process. That's so neat. Now tell us about this book because Walk It Out, it is, it is blessing people that are, you know, it's just coming out and several of us that were blessed enough to get an advanced copy. I've seen some of the reviews. Just tell us about this book because it is blessing so many people. 
already and it's still just a baby. Yeah, that's been so fun um, to see the responses from people already. And a lot of people just feel like it's kind of the book of my heart, which I felt like it's such a sum of my life and what God has done. And actually, it all um, started with me connecting with my friend, Alice Kreider, who's an editor now at David C. Cook. I had worked with her um, when she was at Multnomah. And then she was my life coach for a while, for about a year. I talked to her like once a month and we did life coach stuff and helped me like what do I want to be for the future? And um, I was talking about just all God had done and just really saying, you know, it all goes back to times when I'm sitting on my couch and I'm having my quiet time and I just feel, I read a scripture or feel this stirring in my heart. And then it's like, you either have to like say, oh, that's a good thought and move on or do something about it. And so walk it out is really all the times when I felt that stirring and I've said, okay, I'm going to do what the Bible says, whether it's um, to comfort those in the places where I've received comfort, like working with teen moms, mm-hmm. or in James, where it talks about pure religion is caring for the orphans and the widows. I mean, John and I came upon that, and it's like, are we going to do this? Like, you know, we have my grandmother who lives with us. She's 88 now. Um, but, you know, there are orphans out there. They're in children in foster care or children around the world who don't have homes. And you could either read that and think, okay, this is for someone else or just say, no, if it's in there, it's for us. And so walk it out is really just a combination of all those times in my life with my husband and my family that we felt God saying, you know, we really need to act on this. Um, And then hopefully gives encouragement to readers that it's not a scary thing. Like we don't have to have the whole path planned ahead of time. Um, It's really just taking that first step and then the next step and seeing God show up. So it's more than just a collection of stories. Um, It's also encouragement for readers that they can actually feel fulfilled in their Christian walk and be able to walk out the things that God's uniquely calling them to also. That is so good. I know, like you said, sometimes it's a little scary, but once you start those steps and you said he shows up, God takes your hand and he will stay with you the whole time when you're doing his will and doing his calling. Absolutely. You you mentioned that that your life coach had kind of given you the idea for this, or was that how the the book started, that little kernel about maybe this should become a book? Yeah, absolutely. She, you know, when I was sharing with Alice all these different times, um, when I've just sat, sat down with the God's word and just felt that stirring inside that I need to do something about this. I was telling her about that. And she's like this, she's, she's told me, she's like, this needs to be a book and the titles walk it out. Like, how do we walk it out? And it was just like straight from her lips to like, Oh my goodness. You know, sometimes, you know, you need other people to tell you what's right in front of your face. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I hadn't really thought about doing that. I've written, you know, blogs and if people follow me on Facebook, I share what's happening in our lives. Um, and a lot of people question, like, how did you come to adopt seven kids? You know, and then I'll launch into the whole story. So, um, but really the book is kind of like a sum up of what God has been doing in our lives. And it just took someone else to say, you know, this is a book. There's enough here that I think can really bless other people. And so it was her encouragement um, to get it all down on paper. And then uh, once I did, I also worked with um, Liz Haney, who's one of the best editors in the business. I know she works a lot on Max Lucado's books, and she just wow. she just helped me. Um, has it's so easy 
to tell a story and go on and on and on and on about all the details. And she's like, okay, this is the heart of the message. I need to know more about this. Or can you dig deeper into this? And I think sometimes too, I kind of like skim over the surface. Like I don't want to share almost the deeper emotions, for example, um, you know, just adopting kids. I mean, it's easy to say that it's hard and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of money, but just, she wanted me to like dig in and what are the, the real emotions? Like, cause there's times where, you know, we adopted um, the last group was four teenagers or preteens and teenagers. And I felt um, abused, but, you know, almost slipped by their verbal words at times and ignored at other times. And, you know, those feelings of, Hey, I'm this author and speaker and people listen to me and you won't, you know? And so she really like talked about how to dig deep into those emotions in a way that's not going to shame my girls or anything, but just share like what was really going on in my heart. And so I'm so thankful for the editorial team even at, at David C. Cook, that's like, okay, you know, so I did the first draft and then they're like, okay, this is good, but now we're going to go even deeper. And so even a second draft um, to get this. So it's even more of a process than I usually take when I write books. But I think for this message, it really needed a team around me that would help me to kind of find those gold nuggets in these uh, stories that I've been living for the last 20 years. It, it really is important to get this type of information out to people because Christians, there's so much we can do. And if we let fear hold us back and we don't step out in faith. And like you said, when you make that first step, God is going to be right there with Mm -hmm. you. But sometimes that fear still paralyzes us. So I think this is great that you've, you and your team put this book together and that you wrote it. And so that was awesome. And and I'm sure God just spoke to her to tell you, this is a book. We need this. Yeah, exactly. So how do you, you've, like you said, 70 books. Congratulations on that milestone. My goodness. And how do you usually come up with ideas for your books? You know, most of them come from something that I've heard, um, uh, whether it's a article or a story, um, you know, even a Facebook (laughs) story. um, And, you know, I'll say, well, that was interesting, or let me dig more into that or something that I've come across in research. Um, I have a novel that's actually coming out uh, in, I think, January, and it's called um, A Daring Escape. And it's a World War II novel. And it came from hearing about um, children that were rescued um, by Nicholas Winton and other uh, people from England during World War II, they'd actually put Czech children, Jewish children on trains and give them to foster parents. And um, so I thought that is such a, a amazing thing that, you know, I, the thought of a mother putting her child on a train, mm. hoping to save, you know, his or her life, not knowing if they'll ever see that child again, that just stirred something inside me. So really, it's just those little bits of history or those little um, something that I read in a book or a story that someone tells me that is really amazing. Um, one of my other stories, A Christmas Gift for Rose, is a Amish novel. I've written quite a few Amish, no- few Amish novels. And um, I was in Ohio, uh, in Berlin, Ohio. And I went to out to dinner with like, three Amish families. And a man told me, they're just telling stories about being Amish. And he actually mentioned like right before we were leaving that, because lo- I said, told him I'd love to meet you know, some of his other family members someday. And he said, well, my grandmother actually um, wasn't born into the Amish family. She was adopted into it. And he told me that when she was five years old, it was during the Great Depression. And she went to go, she often went to eat at the Amish family's home. And uh, one day when she was there eating 
breakfast, she went home to her family and they had packed up and left and they had oh, left a note wow. saying, we cannot, we cannot provide for our daughter. Um, you know, we're going to find work, but please raise her and tell her how much we love her, that we know that you can give her a better life. And so that ended up being my book, a Christmas gift for Rose, uh, you know, when a young woman discovers that she was adopted. And uh, so just stories like that, whether it's something that someone tells me or something that I read, it's those little nuggets that ends up the ones that don't let go. Yeah. <laughs> just keep saying around in my mind. They start um, and pretty soon. <laughs> yes. And my agent is uh, Janet Grant with Books and mm-hmm. Session. Oh, at least a couple times a month, I'll send her an email. I have an idea. <laughs> and she's like, of course you do. <laughs> so I have a little file of all those extra ideas too. <laughs> That's awesome. So once you get one of those ideas and you decide, okay, this is going to be a book, Describe your process that you have. Did you have like a system? Because you are a very prolific writer, and I'm sure some of the listeners who are also authors would like to kind of know how do you do that? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, I'll I'll tell a little bit about fiction and then nonfiction because they're sure. kind of two different are, yeah. processes. Yeah. And so for fiction, um, I'll sit down with the idea and I'll just first work on um, you know the character, even though if it's a time in history. There are, you know, real, well, not real people, they're characters that that story needs to be built around. So I'll think about um, who is the person, uh, what is, what are they facing right now? Because there's always usually something that'll kick the novel off some type of problem. Um, What do they want more than anything? So I'll think about their motivation. I think I'll think about their turning point because some place near the middle of the novel, there has to be a turning point where they were heading one direction and then turn and go to the other direction. And so as I'm thinking about that character and, and taking her almost through, um, it's called the hero's journey or um, Stan William also has a um, story diamond. His, his website is great. If you haven't heard of Stan Williams, he's a screenwriter, but he has something called the story diamond that takes you through kind of a character's journey. And so I will sit down with the character and think about that one character's journey. And then if it's um, maybe a romance, I'll think about the, you know, first the female protagonist and then the male protagonist and their journeys and then the conflicts. And so by the time I think through these people, the story plot is um, almost set up for me because it's a person and their problems. And then I put them in the middle of the historical world and I'll say, you know, what's going on in history during this time or um, what's happening. And then so pretty soon I have the whole idea for the book. And it's interesting with fiction because I've been writing so long, um, and I kind of know how the story journey goes, um, I start writing the most interesting parts first. So it might be three ways, I, you know, I always start the first chapter, but then it might, the next part I write might be three quarters through the novel, or then halfway through the novel, or I'll get an idea for a third of the way through the novel, and I'll just start working on those parts. And pretty soon, it's almost like a puzzle and the parts fit together. I think one of the things that I had problems with when I first started writing is I would do way too much research. You know, if it's set in 1939, I would research everything there is to know about 1939 and then try to weave that in. Um, And so when I start with the characters and the problems and then build the story around that, that has really helped me. I don't have to spend as much time in research. I just have to know what would really impact my character during that time. And um, so all those pieces will fit together in scenes. And sometimes even when I'm researching, I'll get an idea for a scene and I'll jot that down. And sometimes later, those scenes will be cut. Like I don't, I realize I don't need that scene, but really it's just helping me kind of build um, the story world. And so that's kind of fiction. And so 
as I'm going through, pretty soon all these pieces are there. And um, then I start back from the beginning and kind of weave them together until I have the story. So it's a little bit different. I don't just start from page one and write all the way through. <laughs> I kind of write in pieces. Yeah, that's good because um, a lot of people think that you might have to write in a linear fashion. And so it, I think whatever works for each author, but that's really good mm-hmm. for those who who may think, well, I don't want to write linearly. So is that a word? Right. Linearly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll make it a word. Sure. <laughs> and I think sometimes people get stuck in the middle too. They mm-hmm. like they get a third of the way or two thirds or halfway through the book and then they're kind of stuck and it's like jump ahead, go to the back, write the ending. Like, you yeah. know, figure out what the stuff you do know and then come and fill later fill in later the stuff that you may not know. And actually for nonfiction it's almost the same thing. I will, again, write in pieces. I'll say, well, I'll kind of do an outline of, you know, this chapter will be on, for example, Walk It Out. I have a chapter that's kind of on helping the vulnerable ones. It's about adoption and caring for elderly people. And another chapter is like finding healing for yourself. And um, the the last chapter is about heaven on earth and about uh, multi-ethnic issues and how to love those of different races. And so I will figure out kind of what the main sections are. And then as I'm writing or coming up with quotes or um, different thoughts, I already kind of know the outline. And so I think, I guess with both ways, I kind of build the foundation first, knowing the outline mm-hmm. um, and then kind of fill in from there. That's awesome. And I know that that information will be very helpful to authors. I I have several projects that I'm about 80 pages into it. Seems like that's kind of where mm. I get stuck. So I may go back and try to jump ahead on some of those that are just kind of gathering dust on my hard drive. <laughs> Yeah, and just say, hey, what if I wrote the ending right. or where were the, yeah, you because know? it seems like for and me, sometimes it excites you. Something like uh, somewhere around 80 pages is for me where it's like the stuck point. So when you get a new idea, how do you know this is going to be a great? Um, usually I find myself, well, first of all, I'll jot a, that email to my agent, like I talk about. And sometimes <laughs> right. her response, um, usually she'll say, oh, that's a great idea. Or sometimes she'll say, actually, so-and-so just came up with a book that's almost like that. So I'm like, oh, that's not going to work. Great mind. Uh, yeah, exactly. But if I find myself thinking about it a lot, journaling after you know my morning quiet time, if I find myself telling other people, um, for example, you know the one I mentioned about the children rescued during Czechoslovakia during World War II, I mean, I would just find books on it and tell other people about it. And I, I probably thought about that book for like 10 years. I had other contracts and other things I was doing, but it was something that wasn't going away. Um, sometimes I'll ask myself if I um, could only write one book before I died, like one more book, what would I want that book to be? And That's the idea, yeah. And the idea that like won't let me go is the one. And so I remember being at a writer's conference and I, I cannot tell you who's who mentioned that question, but if you could only write one book, which book would you choose or one novel? And I thought of um, all the World War II veterans that I had um, been interviewing. And I had wanted to write a novel about um, if a granddaughter took her grandpa back to the old battle sites and maybe he did something he wasn't proud of during the war, um, something or he felt guilty for something or needed forgiveness for himself and their journey, kind of like her journey with him, but his journey through his memories. Um, I, you know, I just remember sitting with those veterans as they just started crying and thinking about what they'd done or what they'd seen or what they experienced. And I thought, you know, that's what I really want to explore more. And that ended up becoming the novel Remembering You. Um, So I think 
each author can sit down and say, okay, if I know I'm going to die in two years, like what would be the one novel that I want to write or one book if it's nonfiction that I want to write. And that tells you something, like if it stirs within you that that it's that powerful, that this is going to be what you spent your last time on, um, it means something. That's like I said, that's an excellent question. So do you have any stories, and I'm sure you do, but where God shows up in your writing? Oh, absolutely. So um, I have two that I'll share. Uh, One of them, I was working on my novel, which is now called uh, Arms and Deliverance, and it came out, I think, around 2007. Um, But it's set in Belgium during World War II, and it was set up with Liebensborn homes, and those were homes that the German, Nazi Germans set up to have babies for the Reich. So young women would actually go to these homes, German soldiers would go, and they would get pregnant and Mm. have babies for the Reich and then leave the children there to be raised to be either, you know, Hitler soldiers or to be women for the Reich. And um, so, you know, I was thinking, what if there was a Jewish girl in hiding and she ended up um, finding herself pregnant? And so this whole book centers around this Lieberman's born home in Belgium. There was uh, one home in Belgium. There's some in Germany and Norway and um, the Netherlands. And but I really needed it to be in Belgium, and I couldn't find any information at all about this Lieberman's run home. Um, everything was in German or in uh, Dutch or all these other languages, and just really frustrated because I needed the information. And I remember just thinking, like, okay, like I mentioned earlier, God was in 1942 when this home was there, and just praying and saying, God, if you could just you know lead me to the right website. And I actually left my computer and went downstairs to work, uh, clean the kitchen. I was washing dishes and I remembered that I knew someone from Belgium I had met a historian at one of the uh, World War II reunions that I had been at and I said oh I wonder if Roger would at least be able to find a, re- a website and translate for me so I went back upstairs dried off my hands went upstairs and um, just sent a quick email to him and within 24 hours I got an email back from him and he said um, yes I know of the Sleeburn's Bone home there was only one in our country, but I know about it because it, it was in the town that I grew up in. It was just a small village. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was <laughs> in the town I grew up in. And I act, it's actually a museum now. And he said, and I know the uh, lady who's the curator, what do you need to know? <laughs> so I thought, oh, wow. that's perfect. yeah, I only knew one person in Belgium. And it happens to be someone who uh, grew up in the town. And so they were able to tell me like the size of it and the rooms and the number of girls, like anything I needed, which was um, so amazing. So that was for Arms of Deliverance. And then later when I was working on my Spanish Civil War series, which takes place in World War II, um, before World War II in Spain, there were German pilots even before World War II started that were fighting for Franco and were bombing Madrid. But there's only about 100 German pilots. And um, there was only you know about a hundred planes, and this was pre World War II. They gave up the, those planes when World War II started, so there's so little information on these one hundred planes that they had before World War II. Um, but I needed to have a pilot crash land, and so I I just don't want to make stuff up. Like yeah. <laughs> I just need information about like how how it would work, what the plane looked like, and how we would fly it, and um, again, just coming and hitting a wall. So I kind of put that to the side. I would write other scenes and work on other things. Well, it was during this time, um, I got an email from a man named Earl Goyer and he, so we have the same last name and he said, 
Um, I'm doing my family genealogy and I saw your name on the internet. And I just wanted to know if we're related. And I said, well, that's my married name, but I will ask my in-laws and part of me is thinking I'm under book deadline I don't have time to find right. like <laughs> finding all this information but I did I like talked to my father-in-law and got information on his family and it, so I ended up sending it to Earl emailing him back and it turns out like we could not find any way we were related at all um but he told me he was in his 80s at the time and so I figured well he was kind of you know in his late teens early 20s during World War II so I, I wondered if he fought and it turns out that he had been a pilot during World War II. Um, but even more interesting, he had been an editor for a flying magazine for 30 years. Oh, wow. And so he had been to a lot of flight shows. And um, I said, Earl, do you know this? And I'm, I don't even remember the name of it now, but this plane. Um, and he goes, oh, that's such a rare plane. So few people even know about it. I'm surprised you know about it. But I have actually flown that plane. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> And so that's, again, it was just like another way of God's like, I got this. I know the person. And so he had Earl, you know, email me, put it on Earl's mind, email me about genealogy. I mean, we have, you know, the same last name and everything. And the Earl was able actually to help me write that scene. And I say, okay, this it needs to crash land, but he needs to survive. And he's like, okay, if he did this and this and this happened and it was this weather conditions and, you know, he landed this way, he'd be able to survive. And I'm so that that scene is so detailed and it's like exactly perfect for the book and so it just shows me you know whatever we're writing um god is there and he sees the finished book and he sees it in a reader's hand he knows the research we need and so i think so many times we think like okay you have the idea but now it's up to you have fun go write your book um but really we can turn to god and we can seek him for help and wisdom and strength and sometimes he'll just bring these people that we have no idea how they can help us but later we can see that God had placed them in our life for a reason. And you also made a good point when Earl contacted you. When we ask God for help, we have to listen for his answers. And if you had just kind of blown right. him off and said, <laughs> oh, I'll just have to wait till I finish my book and just, you know, kind of brushed through that scene and then responded to Earl, you know, like we said, we have to ask and then listen. So you listened. That was a good lesson we can all learn. Absolutely. So I know you are a busy, busy lady. Do you have any hobbies for just Trisha time? Uh, my hobbies are reading. <laughs> so like if of I course. have 10 minutes breaks, yeah, that's what I do. I mean, and I have my kids and homeschooling. And so really, uh, if I have any break at all, I'll sit down and, and you know, read a novel or work on a book, read a book that I've been wanting to read. Um, and in fact, that's what when John and I went on a cruise for our anniversary, um, I had this like pile of books and I think I read five <laughs> in like five days. It's like, oh, there's no kids, no one to distract me. So I do love uh, that. And but also travel too. sometimes we'll travel um, for research or as a family. I do enjoy planning trips and traveling. So those would be my two things. Um, reading and traveling, which is perfect for an author. <laughs> True. And those are two of my favorite things as well. Yeah. What other jobs have you had besides writing? Um, I haven't. Well, McDonald's <laughs> when I was in oh, high okay. school. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. you started your writing career very young, and so I just didn't know if yeah. you had other things. And That's well, fine. I also um, help uh, launch a crisis pregnancy center. So, I mean, those are jobs that, you know, not getting paid jobs, but yeah, they're definitely right. things that I've done. I've helped launch a crisis pregnancy center, and um, I currently lead a teen mom support group here in Little Rock, so... Those are, I guess those are jobs, but I just don't get compensated for my work on those things. Well, 
Not on, not on this not planet. Not on this planet. That's right. <laughs> so what challenges have you encountered with your writing career? You know, I think one of the big challenges, and I think most uh, most writers who have been getting published and have books, is just the change in the publishing industry. Um, you know, we've had, I've had many editors who have lost their jobs or have moved on to different positions, or I've had in the middle of book launch, you know, publishing houses that were sold to other publishing houses. And I think it's right. just a really hard time um, for everybody. You know, we have uh, this market that it seems like, um, you know, people are buying less books or they're buying them in different ways, maybe just buying them on Kindle for, you know, $1.99 instead of uh, going to brick and mortar stores. And so I think everyone has the same challenges of just trying to figure out how to produce books that are going to be able to get into readers' hands but still uh, make a profit. And, you know, one thing I didn't realize when I started writing is how much investment a publisher is going to put into your book. You know, it's between fifty thousand and a hundred thousand dollars just to get a book produced by the time they hire um editors and marketers and art directors and salespeople um it's a lot of work and so i have been um i've self-published a couple books so I, i've most recently self-published um a book called homeschooling basics with my friend christy clover we're both homeschooling moms and i did another one on it's called Balanced Finding Center as a Work-at-Home Mom. And so I think, uh, like most writers, just trying to figure out, like, how much do I want to continue to work with publishers? Can I do this myself? Um, and just still trying to write books that are going to impact people, but maybe write them through different avenues that I hadn't considered before. That's true. There's a lot of authors, especially ones like you who have been around for a while. They've built a platform following of readers. And a lot of them are going hybrid or indie now. Yes. So and that's, there's a lot of options in the publishing world. What's the biggest surprise you discovered when you had your first book published? Um, I know it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, one fun thing, I, I guess it's kind of a surprise that there's real people out there reading your book. <laughs> that sounds kind of weird. Um, but I remember we traveled from Montana to California and, uh, we were on vacation and we were going to see family in California and I walked into a Christian bookstore and um, I was, I was dropping off a little gift thing for the bookstore owners, but as I was walking around looking at stuff, there was a lady carrying my novel in her hand and this novel had only been out in about a month. It was from, from Destin Ashes, my first novel. And um, here I am, you know, we've been driving in the car for 24 hours. I have no makeup on, <laughs> I have sweatpants, hair in a ponytail. And I'm like, John, she's she's carrying around my novel like you know she's i think she's gonna go buy it and he's like you need to go tell her that you're here and i'm like no because this is you know i'm a thousand <laughs> miles from home i mean so that's kind of weird i'm like no uh he's like i would be so upset if i was in the store and the author was there and didn't tell me so i went up to her and i'm like um are you gonna buy that she's like yeah i, I heard about this it looks really good i'm like i wrote that she's like oh my goodness you know of course the photo on it looks nothing yeah. like me at the moment. <laughs> but um she's like can you sign it and so i did but that was Aww. just fun like it was just like you know being a thousand miles from home and seeing someone walking around um another time i was um in chicago and i was there being interviewed by moody radio and i was on a tv show like for one of my books um over there the harvest show and I was in Kohl's with a friend and we were um, buying birthday gifts for 
I think one of her friends, I don't know, it, it was like I was along for the ride with her. And we're in Kohl's and I was in the checkout line and I give her my credit card and the lady's like, oh, you have the same name as a famous author. <laughs> and I said, um, I did. <laughs> I've actually written books. And she's like, have you written? And she named off like three or four of my novels. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, I need your autograph. And I'm like, I'll sign your credit card receipt. <laughs> so uh, I, I mean, it's just those moments where you think like you can go through life and no one really knows who you are, you know, in real life. But then to find like, oh, like people really know me or they recognize my name is, is pretty fun. That's awesome. And Trisha, do you have any tips for aspiring writers? I would say my number one tip is to sit down and write. <laughs> I mean, spend 30 minutes a day. Um, don't store up like I'm going to write, you know, spend all day on Saturday. I think it's so much more productive to do 30 minutes every night than to do like try to do three hours on a Saturday or four hours or whatever because usually that that if you have those big blocks of time that gets eaten away <laughs> by other things um, but if you do a little bit every day it adds up and I would say my writing is just done in chunks a little bit here and a little bit there you know I homeschool I have all these kids um, and it really adds up over you know 20 four years, I've written 70 books. So it's just those little blocks of time. I've never had all day to write. But also when you work on uh, in little blocks, um, you it helps the, the story stay fresh in your mind. So your brain kind of keeps working on it. Even when you're chasing kids or doing laundry, um, if you keep working on it, your brain like will keep working on it too. And so when you sit down, you kind of know what you're going to write next or know what you need to work on. I think when you wait a week or wait two weeks and trying to get those big chunks, then you have to go back and say, what was I working on? Why do I care about these people? Or, True. Yeah. Um, and so really just, even if you could write 30 minutes a day, you know, turn off Netflix, <laughs> sit down and, and write 30 minutes. It'll make a huge, huge difference. That's a great tip. Now, do you have anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we close here? Um, I don't think so. I just think, uh, just remember that, you know, like I said before, God sees the finished book and he can see it complete. And whenever you get fearful and nervous, all authors feel that way. <laughs> like Even ones that have written lots of books, yeah. um, we have those fears and nerves. So, you know, God can be there to help you along the way. Well, we're just so glad that you took time out of your very busy, busy schedule to spend with us today and to share how you get your ideas and turn them into books, Tricia. And I just want to thank you again for that. And, and you just have a blessed day. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Thanks again for taking time out of your day to listen to the Ideas to Books podcast. I hope you will subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find links to Tricia's book, Walk It Out, and the today's show notes. You can find the show notes for today's episode and for all the episodes by going to my website, lindafulkerson.com. In the top menu, look for podcast, and in the drop down, you'll see the tab for show notes. So that's where you can find the show notes for this episode and for all the episodes. I also want to thank today's sponsor, the book Ordinary Girl, Extraordinary Purpose, Life Lessons from the Book of Esther. You can get the first chapter for free, and you can also get a free study guide, and there are links to that in today's show notes as well. So I hope that you will follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash ideas to books and on iTunes and Twitter and other things. So I hope that you have a very, very blessed day. And thanks again for taking the time to listen. (laughs) 